Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Believe in Guardians. Uh, we took a week off last week uh, just to kind of get away at the average play of the Guardians, but now we're back. We just finished up a three-game series against the Royals. We got another series win, and tomorrow we go into a four-game series with the Chicago White Sox. So who better than to have on the show than Crystal O'Keefe, who covers the White Sox for uh, many platforms. Crystal, how are you? Great. Again, thank you for having me. I know you came on visiting Dugout uh, the last series, my my White Sox podcast. So thank you for having me here. Of course. I definitely wanted to uh, repay the favor, of course. It was great being on. Hopefully I can be on again. But uh, yeah, so we're just going to preview the series. But, you know, in Chicago land with the White Sox, if you could just give us kind of uh, what's going on with the team so far? You know, they're behind the Guardians and the Twins in, in the, the weak, very weak AO Central. But uh, tell us what's going on over there. It's it's terrible. Um, we are sitting 20 games back now. They lost last night to the Cubs in a pretty embarrassing fashion. They play them again tonight um, as we, you know, are recording. But, um, I mean, there's just there's kind of no heart. A lot of our players can't hit the ball to save their lives. Like we have Luis Robert Jr., obviously, and then 29-year-old rookie Zach Rimillard, who has been up for like two months now, um, that came into place for an injury. Those are the only people hitting anything right now. Um, And then it's just kind of a clown house within like our front office, the whole organization, our new manager. It's it's been a very bad season. Yeah, so you mentioned the front office, and lately there's been kind of trade rumors uh, regarding Tim Anderson, who, which I didn't realize until looking at his numbers earlier today, uh, has no home runs and only 17 RBI. Yeah. Uh, you know, you talk about somebody who had four consecutive seasons of a batting average of at least 300, um, I think career high 20 or so home runs or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, so what's going on with him? Somebody who has the star power and at one point was the White Sox best player, but has definitely underwhelmed so far. Yeah. So last season he did exit with an injury towards the very end of the season. I really think he has been playing injured still. That's kind of the White Sox way of let's pretend there's actually nothing wrong and just keep playing and just straining yourself even more. So I do think that's at play. I also I'm just not sure that he still wants to be in Chicago, which you would think, you know, you'd audition and play very well for another team. If that's your goal. Makes sense. I still think it's, it's mostly an injury and just not really wanting to be there anymore. He's, I think he's just kind of checked out, unfortunately, because yeah, he's, I mean, he's won batting titles. He's always been, the star, especially after Jose Abreu left, he's he was the star on the team, the you know the kind of unofficial captain, and now he's he's just in Tim's land. <laughs> now, is he playing every day? I know that you know he's not really producing well, but is he still 
you know, kind of being penciled in the lineup every day and you expect to see him out in the field? Yeah, he's been playing just about every day. Usually he finally no longer is leading off Andrew Benintendi is, but for the longest time he was still lead off batter. He's just moved to second now. There you go. I wonder if that has anything to do with his value as well, because I know that defensively he isn't the best shortstop and we're kind of going through the same issue with Ahmed Rosario right now, who offensively gives you some value, but defensively almost takes it away. Um, but he's still at shortstop. And so for, you know, Tim Anderson to move to second base, I wonder if that's kind of diminishes value or hopefully maybe increased it because he doesn't have those diminishing returns on defense in a premier spot. Actually, he's second in the batting order. He's still short. Oh, okay. Got he it. don't have a regular second baseman, though. Got it. Yeah, I, I do know that he did play second base in the World Baseball Classic, yeah. which he's, seemed okay. Yeah, he's capable of it. It's it's not his favorite thing. I think he is still better at shortstop. But, um, yeah, I, I wish I knew exactly what it was. Like I said, I, I'm I'm kind of banking on the injury theory but the White Sox will never come out and tell us that the front office is not very transparent. Right now. I also just saw, I think today or yesterday that Lance Lynn is also in trade talks as well. Um, And he's been linked with the Tampa Bay Rays as well. Um, I don't know what kind of return uh, that the White Sox would get in that potential trade, but if that were to happen, what kind of uh, deal are you expecting? or what, What are some, some positional needs that you would like to get in return? Yeah, of course. So he, yeah, he's been linked to the Rays. He was also linked to the Dodgers along with Lucas Giolito, which that could bring in a lot more. Um, But we, like I said, we do not have a second baseman that can play daily. Our outfield is usually pretty abysmal, uh, especially right field. There's, it's just between those two positions, we have no one. And then we are, down pitchers um we've got like our our cease lynn giolito and then there's michael kopech who is very hot and cold we do not have the terrible one that we don't name in my world um he's still been on the injured list and then we have like the likes of tuki Toussaint coming in and pitching four or five innings, hoping to kind of eat those innings. So we desperately need pitching help. We desperately need second and right field. And honestly, it wouldn't be bad at this point to have like a a decent backup catcher because Yasmani's getting old and he's not as sharp as he used to be. Yeah. You talk about your pitching and just rattling off those names. It seems like you should be dominating uh, in the in the pitching area, at the very least, um, you talk about Tuki Tucson as well, who uh, we had, we signed, mm-hmm. and um, we let go after his one and only start with us. It was a spot start, which I thought he did pretty well considering what we were asking him to do, especially against the Rangers. Um, so I guess you could say we tried to help your pitching situation, but um, yeah, the, the pitching is is definitely lackluster. If you, I'm looking at the numbers here. Uh, Dylan Cease is four and three with a four oh four ERA and Lucas Giolito is six and six with a three seven nine ERA as well. Both of those guys are expected to start in the series. Um so just talking about those two, um, starting the first two games of the series, uh, what do you you know expecting out of them against this lineup? I still expect Dylan to perform pretty well. He has been 
a little hot and cold, but I still think he's got it in him. He just, he's, he walks a little too much and that's never a great sign, but he's still a pitcher that I actually do trust. And I think can make a difference and can help get them a win. But at the same time, he finally got his first win in forever, like a week ago, everything else has been like a no decision, which is, you know, very frustrating that the defense can't put anything together. But uh, with Lucas, Lucas has been the best one on the team this year. He came off on a rough start, but even that rough start, I wasn't concerned. That's just kind of cold weather Lucas. Um, Because again, he's, you know, he's a West Coast boy, Mm -hmm. but he has been phenomenal since he's been able to produce. He's been able to eat a lot of innings, which is obviously really important because our bullpen is usually not as reliable, at least not as reliable as we need it to be. So Lucas, I think, can definitely win that game. I'm not sure. It doesn't say who he's facing yet. Um, But yeah, I think Lucas is going to do a great job. Um, Yeah, you talk about Lucas, and I feel like I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I feel like he usually does well against Cleveland um, and maybe Cease as well. Like I said, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but just just going off of memory, I feel like those guys kind of have our number where um, even in years past where our lineup has been better than what it is now, it just seems like they're able to kind of get the best of us and uh, scratch out that win that we expect to kind of get and they just snatch the W away from us. Yeah, they are surprisingly phenomenal against the better teams. I know, again, (laughs) this is a sad division, but you guys are, you know, the better team right now in this division. So for some reason, they can put up runs and they can outpitch teams, the better teams. For some reason, we play the A's and nearly get swept. But when we're playing teams, you know, like the Guardians, like the Rangers, even the Astros, we won on opening day against the Astros. Like they perform really well against better teams. So I have no doubt that either one of them can pitch very well. And then I know Kopech is day four. They don't have a day three starter yet. Um, but I even Kopech, I think, has a better time against them. Yeah. And you guys are facing like three of our better pitchers right now. And even just because of how our season is going, I I don't want to say that I expect a sweep. I don't expect a sweep. Maybe we should. I don't know. But um, just with the way the season's been going, I definitely see you guys getting a game or two and maybe split. But um, I guess if, if you had to pick right now before the series, um, what do you think the, the White Sox do? Do you think they split? Do you think they take the series? or In a perfect world, I think they will split – because I don't have a ton of expectations for them, but I do think they're very least capable of doing that. And it's just going to be kind of a more low scoring series as well, because again, they're, they're not hitting very well, but I think the pitching at the very least will be great. Um, Again, I think maybe the first two games, the White Sox win and the second two you guys can win because it's, also really easy to get to Michael Kopech, even though he's he's been good against them. But yeah, I think it I think it could be a pretty good split series. 
Yeah, um, that second game, we don't have a starter announced right now. I'm just going to go out on a limb, and I guess it's going to be um, Xavier Curry, um, who's kind of been spot starting. He finished today's game as well. Um, he's been pretty decent, but just because he hasn't had that starter experience consistently just yet, I wouldn't be surprised if you know you do get that game or not. But he's, like I said, he's actually been pretty good. Um, but I want to move on now to, uh, I guess, some positive news for the White Sox and talk about Luis Robert, who seems like the only star on the team right now and definitely um, making his name on the national stage as well. I know people across the country should really know his name. Somebody who has a lot of expectations and seems like he's finally turning the corner and finally made an all-star team this year. So what can you tell tell us about him? Yeah, he has been he's been a blast to watch, obviously. Um, I'm trying to remember how many home runs he's got, but he has just unlocked a lot of his potential this year. I've noticed, um, again, he was one of those that I felt like he was constantly injured. Like all of our superstars were constantly injured last year, but he's been able to remain healthy and they had that little kind of stint where he was benched pretty early on in the season for just a very poor performance, um, both, at the plate and in the outfield. And it seemed like that was really the turning point. And he just began to really ramp it up because he's got so much speed and he's got so much power with the bats. Um, so I think, you know, I always think of like the Michael Jordan meme where like, and I took that personally, I think he, he took that being benched very personally and just kind of started going on a tear. So I was like, well, maybe that's what all the players need, but I guess it only works with him. Um, but yeah, we were stunned. Obviously he didn't play in the all-star game cause he was dealing with like some, I think it was back tightness or something, but he did a phenomenal job in the home run derby. And I'm really happy that he did that because it was a very last minute decision to even do it. And he came out and he, gave White Sox fans something to be happy about for a change because we're a mm -hmm. pretty sad fan base right now. But um, I also, I don't think that's even his full power. I think this is more like a warm-up season. I think he's going to be lethal once he really starts connecting even more. Yeah, um, I was trying to pull up his numbers here, but it's not. Yeah, his barrel percentage is 94th percentile. Uh, expected slugging percentage is 90th percentile. Um, even as a Cleveland fan, I think it's kind of rewarding to see him, like you said, turn that corner. He's been hurt a lot. It always just seems like for whatever reason, he just gets hurt at the same time and gets hurt multiple times a year. And he's always on the IL. But like I say, even as a Cleveland fan, it's kind of um, nice to see him, like, you know, turn that corner when you have guys that you expect to play well and kind of be the leader on the team. And he's finally uh, doing that. Um, I do want to ask you, because I haven't been keeping up with the White Sox, understandably <laughs> so, um, about Aloy Jimenez, uh, another person who um, was supposed to kind of be like one of the stars on the team, uh, him, Robert, Abreu, Anderson, and he's been kind of quiet uh, from what I've seen so far. So what can you tell us about him? Yeah, he has been a little quiet. Again, he started the season once again on the injured list, came back. Um, I think he was back by mid-May. And then he's been consistent. Um, I will say he's more likely to get on base. Last night, they were being no hit until the fifth inning because he finally 
was able to break through and at least get a hit in, um, which helped out because that was their lone run they scored. But he's he's been at least consistent. Uh, I wish he had a little more discipline at the plate. His stance is a little... It just needs to be a little refined, I think. Um, but he has been kind of like a quiet hitter. He's still able to hit home runs. He's had quite a few this season. He's kind of making up for the time he, he missed ultimately. But I still think he's like one season away from just really being great. And I hope that he can stay great on the White Sox because I know he's also got so much power. Um, and, you know, he's kind of terrible in left field and that's okay. Um, he just does not want to be a designated hitter. So we just kind of have to deal with watching him be terrible in the outfield, but then try to make up for it by at least getting on base. Do you, uh, seeing him every day, do you kind of see like a turnaround happening, whether it's sooner or later, but do you kind of see that turnaround happening where he's one of the, the better players on the team alongside Luis Robert that hopefully keeps you in contention in the division? Yeah, of course. I, I definitely do. He's been one that I've tried to pay closer attention to because I have noticed that when he's up there, he is still at least seeing the ball. If he connects, that's one thing. But when he does, he's like I said, he's out there hitting home runs and bringing in multiple runs. Like I think he honestly might be leading in RBIs at this point because he's just he's been consistent, which I appreciate. So I'm really hoping that that's kind of around the corner. And I, I hate to place blame on certain things, but I really, I really just feel like this front office managerial drama has kind of sucked a lot of energy out of this team. And I think he just needs to bounce back from that. I think it, I think it affects a lot of the players, honestly, and they are all just slowly starting to bounce back. Yeah. Um, if you could talk about that a little bit more about the front office. Um, I saw a tweet the other day, um, you know, just for people who don't know, um, that your general manager is the only one that has had their job for, I believe, 10 plus years mm -hmm. that hasn't won a World Series. Yeah. Um, so, you know, since last one was 2005, but kind of talk about the front office and, the, and their mishaps over the past, I guess, 20 or so years, because um, you know, being in the division, I see that you guys are up and down a lot and there hasn't really been that consistency. And, and what has that done for uh, White Sox fans? Uh, I will say I don't think there's still a ton of disconnect with White Sox fans. I know a lot of people have kind of tried to, I guess, work around things. You know, they prefer to not go directly through the White Sox to buy tickets. I see so many people that just bring in these massive Ziploc bags to get a, to avoid um, paying for concessions or just getting very drunk in the lot B. So they're not spending a bunch of money on beer. And, you know, I fully support that. Um, but at the end of the day, we have Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner who, has kind of famously said something to the extent of as long as you are mediocre and you can maybe make it to a like a even just a wild card game then fans should appreciate that and you really don't need to do anything more like he's very 
okay with being mediocre and not spending the big money. I mean, Andrew Benatendi has been our highest paid player, which is incredibly humiliating. And Rick Hahn, again, yeah, I think it's been, I think this is his 11th season as general manager. And again, he doesn't go after the good players. There's this joke about how he always has a seat at the table and you know, we were going to get Bryce Harper and we were going to get Manny Machado and we <laughs> picked John Jay to come in because he's cousins or something with him. Um, but they can't pull in these players. They're not willing to spend the big money. They just kind of basically say, oh, well, this person's about to come off the injured list. So it's like we have a whole new player this time around. Like that's kind of their motto is be mediocre and fans are still going to come to ball games. Um, and then Jerry was the one that hired Tony La Russa to come back originally over a falling out, really, um, when Hawk Harrelson fired Tony La Russa years back. Um, so he was just trying to make up for that regret and give his, you know, dinosaur best friend a, a job in the organization, which was obviously disastrous. Um, he would fall asleep in the dugout. He would famously not know the rules. Like it was just humiliating. And then they brought in P Pedro Grafal, who, you know, was a, a bench coach for the Royals, but at the same time, the Royals are never good. They have not been good. And again, almost a, almost 10 years at this point. Um, so they just, constantly just bring in people that don't have that experience or they should not be managing a, you know, professional baseball team. And I really think a lot of times these are just scapegoats. Like I, I feel like Pedro is a scapegoat for Rick Hahn so that he still keeps his job at the end of the season um, because he should have been fired 10 years ago. He's, he's been awful. And he has got to the point where like he won't, address fans or the media they've canceled our like annual socks fest three years in a row and i'm sure we'll get an announcement soon that it's been canceled because he doesn't want to take that criticism he doesn't want to take the blame of his actions and you know he recently said basically the players can only do so much if we're you know having a bad game but ultimately it's up to the people that put them on their rosters and play them regularly. And, and that's on him. And he still does not show any sign of remorse or feeling as though he's the problem. So he'll keep his job because Jerry doesn't like change. Um, I have a, a one-off question to ask you, and this is just because I, well, I'll explain it after. Um, if you had the, the chance to have Terry Francona as your manager, would you jump at that opportunity? Honestly, yeah, I would. Um, almost anybody. Like, I really wanted um, Bruce Bochy personally. That was kind of – that was my pick. But I think Terry's great too. And we had so many kind of options at better managers. Like, A.J. Hinch was in consideration. And I would have taken any of those guys over the Tony La Russa debacle and then hiring Pedro after. Okay. Um, 
that's what I expected you to say. The reason why I asked that is because um, I don't know how well-versed you are about Browns fans, but it seems like Guardians fans on Twitter are becoming Browns fans, and it's become very toxic to the point where people want Tito fired, which mm -hmm. I think is completely asinine, which you may or may not have seen. But um, I just wanted to get an outsider's perspective um, because, like I said, I just think that the notion is ridiculous. Um, for us, I think that it's okay to admit that the team just isn't as good. Mm -hmm. Like we're, we're a 500 team. You can see that. Um, and so sometimes it, it isn't necessarily the manager. It's just maybe the talent. And yeah. we don't really have the talent outside of two or three players to really um, get us back to that postseason success that we had five or so years ago. Um, but yeah, that, that's all. I just wanted to, yeah. I guess, validate my own feelings because I, like I said, I think it's so stupid. And I think other teams would jump at the opportunity to have a future hall of famer, um, as a manager, no matter what their team situation is. Yeah. I mean, if you look, the White Sox look excellent on paper. They have so many talented players, but they, yeah, that rotation, like I said, yeah. just stands out just the names alone. Just, I would love to have their rotation in Cleveland right now. Yeah. So again, they should be amazing, but we've had poor decisions, poor roster lineups, just kind of poor everything and too much drama um, within the office and the clubhouse. So I would have taken someone that could turn this team around because even like you said, you've got two really great guys and you don't feel as though you have all-stars on your team yet. You're at least at 500. Whereas we're 20 games back now. Yeah. Um, I do want to go back to the John Jay point that you mentioned, because it reminds me of uh, when you guys traded for Yonder Alonso. And um, from what I heard, it was because uh, he was, well, he is brothers-in-law with Manny Machado. Yeah. And so you traded for him in the hopes to lure Manny Machado to Chicago, which isn't the worst idea, but when you consider you know, the front office, as you talk about, um, Chicago is a big market, but it definitely doesn't seem like the White Sox are that team that represents that big market because they just don't shell out the big money for the people that maybe they should. And even on paper, under Alonso, while like hindsight is twenty twenty. at the time I was kind of excited because of his power potential, uh, but you could kind of see that he wasn't the player that he was previously, say, in Oakland, and he was on his way out. And sure enough, Chicago was his last stop before he retired. But um, I guess, yeah, if you want to talk about that, because you mentioning that whole debacle just kind of reminded me of that, that I completely forgot about. Yeah, that was just – that was so embarrassing because Chicago is – it Chicago does seem like the last stop for all these, like, kind of washed players. You know, we – we had Yonder Alonso, we had John Jay, um, and I actually I refuse to call Johnny Cueto washed, but he was not what he's previously been. Like we just gravitate to spend as little as possible on players that were great and are now, you know, heading towards retirement to say, look, we we spent money. This guy is so good. Just don't look at his numbers for the last three years because he's been terrible and you know he got dfa'd from this team but don't look at that <laughs> we got somebody to fill this position that's like their magic trick is just 
finding these more watched players in hopes that it will bring more star power. And clearly that didn't work. We didn't get Machado. We didn't get Bryce Harper. We get like AJ Pollock instead. Right. Yeah. Um, Continuing the whole front office point. Um, like I said, hindsight is 2020. Now they did let Jose Abreu walk mm-hmm. and get anything for him. Now he did have a very slow start to the season. Uh, right now he's hitting 244 with eight home runs, 51 RBI, but he's only slugging 350. Um, now with that in mind, do you, I guess, kind of agree with the de- decision to let him walk? Or is that somebody that you would like to still have in a White Sox uniform right now? I would prefer to still have him. No hate towards Andrew Vaughn, but Andrew Vaughn just does not produce like Abreu does. And there are so many times where I'll watch him on first base. And again, that that's the position he knows. Like we've got, and all we have are like DHs and first basemen on this team right now. But I will watch him at first, even just routine plays. He'll somehow mess up. And I'm just like, that wouldn't have happened if that was Abreu. Or we would be up by way more because he wouldn't strike out if that was Abreu. So Andrew has been frustrating to watch. And I wish that we still had Jose there because, again, I miss him. And he should have retired in Chicago. Yeah, definitely. Um, it almost seems like the, his numbers in with Houston right now, I don't want to call it a fluke because of where we are in the season right now, but it definitely seems like it's that 180 from where he was. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that he beat out Jose Ramiro, R- R- Ramirez, Jesus Christ, uh, for American League MVP, and rightfully so. He did have a very good season, um, but it just seems like that was just, what, last week, and all of a sudden he's – um, underproducing uh, mightily with a championship contender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, he's my age, which is geriatric in baseball years. Um, I really thought that he, <laughs> and I know this is not true because he always wants to play. Like even when he was not feeling good, he would demand to be in the lineup that day. Like he's not a quitter. I was really hoping that they were going to say, okay, he's retiring. Um, And that would have made me feel better at least, but he kind of demands to go out and play. And I think that father time is kind of catching up with him. Um, He's not the, you know, 20 something first baseman that he used to be. Right. Yeah, he did. I, I guess in baseball terms or in sports terms in general, kind of have that late start uh, from when he debuted. You know, he wasn't 20 years old like some people are now. Um, And he's in his mid-30s already. But like I was saying, even from last year, um, he finished with 15 homers and 75 RBI, I believe. But he also hit 304. So it's somebody who, uh, you know, could get you a hit if you, you know, if you need to. And he drove in almost 80 runs. And just to see um, from where he is now from last year is um, startling, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to say that I'm surprised that Houston went after him because um, not entirely because of the name is production. Um, but when you're a championship team, I, I would think that, and it seems like their front office is capable of it to kind of see that coming and I guess steer towards someone else. I don't know. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, we always referred to him as the RBI merchant on our team, because like you said, you could depend on him to hit the ball in a gap 
and at least get a player home. Um, and it was okay that his home runs weren't as powerful because again, he's at least getting a run or two in almost every at bat. It seems like he had that power um, and he was such a you know great teammate. So it is disappointing to see that he's just not performing up to the level that I'm familiar with and have watched for all these years. Yeah. Um, by the time this comes out, I'm going to break some news, but by the time this comes out, everybody will know. Um, <laughs> the next thing I was going to talk about was the trade deadline. And uh-huh. one of the many storylines for us has been Ahmed Rosario, as well as Shane Bieber, of course. And I just saw that we are trading him to the Dodgers for who I do not know yet. Now, if I could humbly brag about my own writing, which you are aware of, yeah. um, actually for Pitcher List as well, I actually wrote this before the season because um, Gavin Lux, he tore his ACL in spring training. He was supposed to be a big uh, part of their season and they, they're staying afloat, of course. Um, they just traded for Kike Hernandez two days yeah. ago. Um, but I did mention that, hey, they should probably trade for Ahmed Rosario. Now, I've been on the record being, I guess you could say pro Ahmed Rosario. Um, I don't think he's as terrible as people make it out to be. He certainly isn't proving my point with his defensive numbers right now. Um, last year, he led all American League st- shortstops in outs above average, I believe. Um I'd have to check that again, but I did write about it Uh, this year. He's not doing so hot, Um, but he's one of the most clutch people uh, in baseball. He leads all the major league baseball with RBIs um, in running runners in scoring position with two outs. He's hitting like over 500 or something like that. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but yeah. So for that to happen, I guess, I guess I feel good now because it validates what I wrote (laughs) way back in like March. So I kind of feel good about it. But you should, you know uh, your stuff. Yeah, kind of sad to see him go though. Like I said, I, I do appreciate what he does offensively. Sometimes it could be a head scratcher, but he's <laughs> someone who, you know, during the cold months struggles mightily. Uh very bad. Uh someone who you probably want to bench. But this year, just like last year, turned it on. Um, last year he was top five or top four, I believe, in RBI for American League shortstop. He finished with 71. Um, this year hasn't been the same, but his average has been steadily climbing. He's been improving over the summer. But um, I don't know. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to throw that out there because that just came across just now. Um, but in the same vein of the trade deadline, um, just like you said, you, you're 20 games back right now, so definitely don't expect you to be buyers necessarily. Um, but are there some moves that maybe you could see to kind of pawn off some pieces or maybe try to rebuild for next year and beyond? Or um, if you were GM, um, what's kind of the move that you would make? Yeah, I don't know necessarily who I would go after. Like I said, we do have several spots that are basically vacant because you know, the the player is just not meant for that spot or they're just a utility player somewhere. Um, but honestly, I know that we will be sellers and I've come to terms with the idea of Lance leaving and hoping that he might still bring something in. But at the same time, what's a 36-year-old pitcher who's had a really bad season actually going to bring in? Um, and I, I do think the idea of both Giolito and Lynn going would, would bring in way more. I just don't know at this point who I would want and who would improve this team. Cause I just feel like this team is a talent vacuum. 
Yeah, uh, talent <laughs> void, like yeah. you said, talent black hole. No pun intended. Yeah, um, yeah it's uh, it's definitely been a struggle for the White Sox. Definitely, um, it seems kind of like the Royals, where it's just like you remember the good days, but then you blink and it they seem so dysfunctional now, which. Mm-hmm. As a Cleveland fan, I guess isn't so terrible because they're behind us in the standings, but uh, I'm sure it's terrible for White Sox fans. But um, yeah, uh, anything else you want to talk about with the White Sox? I know they're bad right now. <laughs> they're so bad. It's just depressing. Although it's funny you mentioned the Royals. I, I was just in New York and I went into see Yankee Stadium. Again, Yankees are doing pretty bad too. And they played the Royals. And I was like, this has to be the most boring mid-off game that you could go to um and I can't stand either team so I was like I'm just here for the vibes um that's it and it was Nestor Cortez bobble night so I was like I'm here for this bobblehead and the vibes that's it um but yeah with the White Sox I feel like they've been in this constant state of rebuild you know it was supposed to start in 2018 and they picked up pieces that we're going to help that team that just didn't pan out. Like we all remember Daniel Polka years and how depressing that was. And even though they've made good trades, I mean, obviously they brought in Michael Kopech and Luis Robert Jr. Uh, for Chris Sale. And at the time that seemed like a very beneficial trade for both teams and even though Chris Sale has, again, been injured, he still got a ring in Boston. Um, and he had, you know, he still has great seasons. He still very much has it when he's healthy. Whereas Michael Kopech, there are days where I just want to, you know, shut my laptop closed because I'm just getting frustrated. And then, you know, we've got Dylan Cease and Eloy Jimenez from the Cubs for Jose Quintana. And that was a great trade again, but when Dylan is not performing to his best ability and Eli's constantly hurt and running into walls and ropes and everything else, you think was was this a good was this a good trade? Because Q was a great pitcher. Um so it's frustrating that it's just rebuild after rebuild and that they can't ever seem to advance they're always going to be a first round exit if they make any form of the playoffs so I hate the idea of yet another rebuild but that's all they can do they can just pull in players that suddenly are terrible and just depress fans more and more each day you know we did um we we pitched in like our little White Sox Twitter family. We all pitched in to get two billboards up. I think they'll be they're still up. Um, let's say sell the team, Jerry. Like that's how frustrated we are. That is what we chose to spend money on instead of tickets and concessions. Were these billboards that hopefully Jerry passes every once in a while because that's just that's the state that White Sox fans are in right now. Very Oakland esque. Yeah. Which I like. Um, but yeah, I guess on that note, um, we don't have to talk about the bad White Sox anymore. No. Um, yeah, if you just want to you know, tell people where to find you on Twitter and find your Twitter takes. On, are we calling the X now? I don't know. I'm still calling it Twitter. Yeah, it's Twitter um, to me. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, if you want to plug your show, which I've gratefully been on and hopefully people can check out. Yeah. So you can find me on Twitter mainly at, you know, at crystal underscore. Okay. Crystal is C H R Y S T A L. It's a little confusing. And then um, you can follow my show visiting dugout at visiting dugout on Twitter and then, you know, follow along with me. I do things for Southside Sox. I do baseball and Mets overall on Willits Pen. And then I do a Friday morning weekly article at Pitcher List. And then I'm just randomly everywhere else occasionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, guys, uh, make sure you go follow Crystal. Make sure you, you go follow her show, Visiting Dugout, as well. Um, great follow, even though the White Sox are bad. Uh, she also <laughs> donates money to a good cause. Um, if you know, you know. If you yeah. don't know, go check it out and you'll find out and you won't be surprised. Um, but yeah, so thanks again, Crystal, for coming on. Um, hope to have you on again soon. Yeah, we only play you guys 70 more times this season. So <laughs> I know, right? Um, a lot of mediocre battles between the two, but what can you do? Mm-hmm. But yeah, so on that note, again, thanks, Crystal, for coming on. For Crystal, I'm Amari McPherson, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you.